Well, hello there, and welcome back to this new episode of the Unmasked Podcast. It's Andy. I hope you are doing well today, wherever you are in the world. However, I do have a guest, which I am very delighted to have, and that is Yo Samdi Sam. How are you doing, Sam? Hello, I'm doing all right, thank you, this morning. Yeah, it's uh, 10 o'clock for me, and I think 9 o'clock for you, so bright and early, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, we were just uh, talking about how early we uh, woke up. I was saying that uh, I got up at half six my time, half seven your time. And you were up earlier than me. I was up at quarter past six my time. But for once, I wasn't woken up. Actually, I just woke up because I went to bed really early last night. So I woke up and then actually my son didn't wake up till 7.30, which meant I had an hour and a quarter to myself in the morning. And that was, that was really nice. I have to say. I was going to, I was just thinking, what did you do with that uh, alone time? Was it just going on Instagram? (laughs) Well, I mean, the first thing I did was go on Instagram because I saw I had a message from you. uh, And I was like, oh, does he think I've forgotten? Because I hadn't actually, I hadn't forgotten, which is pretty impressive. But um yeah, I, I had time to do my little morning routine. Um, I went downstairs and normally when I go downstairs with like two cats, one child, you know, everybody wants the same thing at the same time. You know, everyone wants feeding, everyone wants something. So it was like I could go downstairs and then the cats realized I was up, but I managed to get a cup of tea before that. So then I fed the cats and it wasn't like all stressy. So yeah, it's just nice uh, having a bit of a relaxing morning and, you know, setting yourself up for the day makes a big difference. Yeah, no, totally, totally. Um, I mean, mine, uh, when I got up, sorry, uh, it wasn't as as luxurious as that. Pretty, <laughs> much, pretty much I got up, made breakfast and um, just started watching some Netflix stuff. Uh, I'm actually going to try and uh, re-watch uh, House of Cards because it's been a while. <laughs> I have never watched that, actually. <laughs> just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I just thought with um, everything that's gone on, I, I just thought, oh, this exists. I'm going to watch I'm gonna watch it. In, that's the uh, one with Kevin Spacey, right? Yes, it yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I've never watched that. I'm not really... Um... No, I started watching it, actually, and I got bored. I'm just... Political thrillers are a bit... Mm... You know, I prefer things with more like like elements of science fiction or fantasy or just something or just like if it's if it's just real life people with no fantasy or magic or science or something. I prefer something that's just like feel good, like like Gilmore Girls, basically. That's pretty much the only thing that I watch that doesn't have kind of like sci fi or something in it. Fair play. But uh, yeah, actually. Um, just as a general question uh, for the viewers and listeners, because uh, I know who you are quite well, because <laughs> you do, you do, you, we do, we do YouTube videos about uh, autism and stuff. Yeah, but, we've chatted uh, as well. We've chatted. Uh, we ha- we have chatted. We have chatted. I am wondering though, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, just for people that don't know you or your YouTube channel? All right. Well, I am Sam and I am actually at the time that everyone is listening to this, I'll probably be 35 years old. So I will be like, I can't really get out of being mid 30s anymore. Can't say, oh, I'm early 30s. No, Um, 35. And I was diagnosed with autism in 2019, early 2019. 
And after that, I'd been wanting to start a YouTube channel for a while, but I didn't really know what to talk about. And I had a few things that I did and I was sort of dabbling here and there. But then I decided I was going to make a video about my diagnosis, my late diagnosis and, you know, how it affected me and blah, blah, blah. So I made that video and I literally just posted it to my personal Facebook. And I thought, well, this is better than explaining it a million times over to all my friends and family who probably won't get it. So it was basically just... I realized that people didn't really, the people I told didn't really understand what I was saying. And they were like, no, you, well, you, you must be very mildly autistic. Like it doesn't really affect you. And me having just gone through six hours of assessment and feeling like my whole life had been through the ringer, you know, I just, so I made this video and um, I think I got about a hundred views and I was pretty chuffed with that actually. Um, I was like, hmm, this is good. People are interested. And, you know, people left some positive comments. Some of my friends made, sent me messages saying, saying nice things. So I thought, oh, well, this is, this is good. And there isn't really that much information about, you know, women with autism. I mean, a lot has changed in the last two years, but, you know, at the time there, there wasn't that much around about women with autism and just, you know, adult diagnosis and stuff like that. So I thought, well, I'll give it a go. And, it just seemed to take off from there. So the first year I was, I was kind of like just focusing on making YouTube videos. And then it was like, I think almost a year ago, like late, late last year and late 2019. And my, my channel just really took off on YouTube and it's been sort of growing quite quickly ever since. Um, I just celebrated 50,000 subscribers, which is um, an almost unimaginable amount of people. I've been thinking of it in terms of like, I could fill which stadium now, you know, with my subscribers. That helps me visualize it a little bit. You don't have any concept of what it's like making content for that amount of people. So in some ways it doesn't really feel very real because you don't see the people. It's not like I'm standing in the stadium, you know, you just, mm. so in some ways, obviously a lot has changed in that time since I started, but in some ways actually less has changed because I'm still just making videos and kind of like doing the things that I like doing, um, putting them on the internet. It still feels like a strange thing to do, making videos about yourself and putting them on the internet. But apparently us humans like that. Apparently that is a thing that uh, us humans like to do. Mm. But, but uh, I just wanted to say, firstly, I haven't actually congratulated you on uh, reaching 50,000 subscribers. Uh, so I just want to do that here and now. Oh, thank because... you. Like I seen when you uh, passed it, I was like, "Oh, I should reach fifty thousand subscribers? I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I don't know, I'll message her later or something like that, just to congrats, uh, to say congrats." Um, with the way my brain is at the minute, I, it just, it just didn't register that I actually needed to do that. Actually, <laughs> actually follow through. Don't so, worry about it. I, my brain is exactly the same position. I think we were just talking before we started recording about like this November is just hard it seems harder for me it seems harder than when we went to lockdown in March because it was like new and exciting and it was like oh what's going on and now we've just had so long of this and it's winter and we've we've watched everything on Netflix and there's not been anything new and it's just like ugh, you know and my brain's kind of turned to sludge as well um so I totally get that whole just not not remembering, um, you know, not remembering anything. I can't even talk at the moment. I'm like, what? I can't finish sentences, that sort of thing. My brain is just tired. 
Yeah, um, I'm I'm the same to be honest. Um, <laughs> I was just wondering though. Uh, this is a question that I ask ev- ev- everyone, just so uh, I don't know people can get to know you and I get to know a little bit more about you as well. Um, uh, what are your special interests? Would you say? Well, I'm one of these people, possibly because I've pretty much come to the conclusion that I am undiagnosed ADHD as well. So, I think that kind of like shows in the special interests that I've had because some people like they had the same special interest all through their life and that's their thing but I'm a little bit more like I like a lot of different things and you know it's not like I don't it's not like I stop liking them but sometimes sometimes a special interest will just come up and it'll be like two months and I'll be super obsessed and then I'm like ah there's nothing more to learn about this I'm bored kind of thing so when I was younger my special interests were very much like TV shows and cultural stuff. I used them as kind of like an escape from what was pretty stressful teenage life. And um, in terms of like, you know, coping undiagnosed at school, I had a lot of pressure on me academically to like keep going. I was struggling with executive functioning like you wouldn't believe. And so, um, you know, I was like really into these TV shows. Um, What the first TV shows? Friends, Friends was a big one. And that was also... I started building a friend's website, which was back in the days when you had to hand code your HTML, you know, like oh, with a little God. chisel uh, in stone. So um, that was like that. So all of my special interests tend to like sprout little side interests. So I was really obsessed with friends, but I was like, I really want to maybe it's just I've always been like a creator. So I wasn't just someone who would consume it. I'd be like, OK, now I need to make something. So I would make the website and I would write little episode guides and, you know, it's not actually online anymore. You could probably find it on the Wayback Machine, but um, I don't want to tell you the address because it's like still my parents' email address. So (laughs) I don't think they'd appreciate getting a load of emails. Uh, So it was like I just wanted to create something and do something with that passion, with, with what I like. And Friends is probably one of the things I was super, super obsessed with. And now I look back on it and I rewatch it and I'm like, well, this is a bit cringy and not as not that funny. Um, the other TV shows I was was into, um, of course, probably anyone who's seen my channel will know that I love Buffy and still love Buffy and I watch it. I will rewatch it every couple of years. That's a big one. Although I never made a website about it, which was strange. But um, I guess I I guess I realized at the time I did not have time to maintain two websites. Um, but yeah, that, that was another one. And what the other TV shows that I liked? I really liked Sabrina. I really liked Dawson's Creek. Um, you know, like pretty typical teen shows at the time. But, um, as I've got older and in my adult years, my special interests have become more like either academic or kind of skills based so psychology was a big special interest and I went to university to study psychology and psychology has been something actually that I have continued to be interested in and I think partly because being autistic and like not really understanding people I'm like very motivated to try and understand people um but also I think it's fascinating because because even you know even psychologists really don't know that much about psychology there's still you know they've not really figured much out in the last hundred years of the field so I like that there's just so much more to discover I was just gonna say it feels like among 
um, other creative people, other advocates and stuff. Everyone, not well, not everyone. I think everyone's a bit uh, a bit of an unfair assumption, but loads of people are doing degrees in psychology. Mm. It's like I I I don't I don't know. Uh, see, I, I've never kind of understood why, but actually thinking about it, it actually does make sense if you want to understand people and the way people work and like uh, all of that sort of thing. Why not do something that actually explores? explores those things i guess yeah and i think it's pretty from what i've heard it's pretty common for especially undiagnosed autistic people to go into psychology because i guess if you well i don't know i don't want to make assumptions but i would imagine if you're neurotypical and you kind of have a good grasp of like what makes people tick and stuff you know maybe you just i don't know you you might not have that same desire to learn more about it this almost kind of like obsessive i must find out well why do people act this way you know all of that kind of stuff and i and i think the thing that disappointed me about psychology a little bit as a as a discipline and why i didn't end up becoming a psychologist was because they weren't asking the right questions and they didn't have they didn't have answers that satisfied me and they still don't like when it comes to okay, what is autism? Oh, well, it's a neurodevelopmental disorder. And we did these studies and blah, blah, blah. This is, we found that autistic people can't do this as well. And it's like, okay, but what is autism? Like, oh, well, we've, we've seen there are some brain scans and stuff. Like, okay, but what is it? Like, what does it look like? How does an autistic brain look different from a neurotypical brain? Like, and is it like degrees? Do, do, do people with like higher support needs have different... Uh, brain structures or is it more like is that an environmental thing and like we just don't know any of this and it's frustrating because nobody seems to be asking the right questions although that's changing now because I think more autistic people are getting into research so yeah I I could go on for a while (laughs) (laughs) I was just gonna say that's actually a really great thing that uh, people actually are getting into the field and it's it is something I think just in general like um autistic people need to be going into these these areas and having more more of a voice in I, I think in all aspects to be honest I think it's uh, super important but one of the things which I think um you know has become more and more of a thing over the last few years is autistic people getting into YouTube I mean um me and you are on uh, YouTube doing our thing and uh, obviously you talked about uh, how you've grown so rapidly over, over the last year which is it as as a, like a more of a I guess a fan of of your content it's been amazing to see because like um like the only other time um I've seen growth like that was with uh Katie from Invisible Eye and when I uh, when and I was a fan of her before we became friends and it was it I don't know. I, it was just—it's just incredible to see that. Uh, Thank you. No, it's okay. It's you know, I, for me, it's good to see representation. You know, for people that they believe in what they you know believe. You know, it's yeah. It, it's obviously a really good thing. But as a person who does make content, and I kind of understand it, but I kind of want to a bit more of an understanding, and I'm hoping that people who are listening get a a bit of an understanding of what it can be like sometimes being a creator. Uh, Do you feel a certain pressure when it comes to 
um, having a massive fan base in there in terms of uh, the topics that we cover. Like, I don't know, do you feel a certain kind of uh, pressure to cover certain uh, topics and things because of the fan base? Um, Yes and no. It's not, in terms of the topics, it's not really like pressure. It's more like I feel a responsibility. And I know that, you know, when I had 500 subscribers, I could pretty much talk about whatever I wanted. I could say, like, how my autism affects my... uh, Okay, I can't think of anything. But, you know, like, it could be very much about me, 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 and my experiences. And, like, I don't really need to back anything up. But Mm -hmm. I guess I have more more of a responsibility to provide accurate information and to represent a more broad range of autism based on what I know now, because I've learned a lot about autism since I've been diagnosed. And, you know, even like um, making that autism in girls video, I made that video when I had less than a thousand subscribers. You know, I think I had like 700 subscribers when I made that video and like it did, it did well when I first put it out, but now it has, well, actually, I don't know how many it has. It's it's been taking off again. It's been up and down, but like last time I checked, it was definitely over. Let me just look it up because now I'm interested. Um, How many views does it have? Hmm. So 689,000 views. Um, I was I was going to guess um, a round number of 700,000. Yeah, well, that's pretty much it. Um, and like, that's something that I made when I had 700 subscribers. And so, but the thing is, that's the content, like, that's brought a quarter of my subscribers. That video has brought a quarter of my subscribers to me. Um, oh the problem is then you have old content that you made when you, you know, had different knowledge. And I'm like, okay, Nowadays, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm actually going to do a video, like a follow-up video to try and not necessarily correct myself, but maybe, you know, clarify things a bit because it's like, I think I made some kind of disclaimer in the video being like, oh, well, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that all girls are like, all autistic girls are like this, or all of, all these traits are just for girls or whatever. But like, now that I know so much more about the LGBT representation within the autistic community, for example, and like gender roles and uh, non-binary representations. So it's a bit like, I feel like I need to go back and clarify that, Mm. you know, that that wasn't the whole that wasn't the whole story so that that's kind of like i guess that's pressure i put on myself what i think maybe people don't realize is that when you have 50,000 subscribers or actually it started happening from way less like 10 20,000 subscribers people kind of still email you assuming that you have all the time in the world to write them back and like and I know, and I know that obviously everybody means well, but the sheer volume of like comments, messages on Instagram, Facebook messages, mm. you know, friend requests from random people, emails. Um, even when you say this emails for business inquiries, people still use it, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, like the sheer amount of correspondence, and it's like I've only just—I now have an assistant who helps me with research. She doesn't answer emails for me. So like I do have someone helping me a little bit part time now, which has been absolutely crucial. But like I can't 
I can't respond to all of this. And and because like this time last year, I was responding to every single comment and I was trying to write back to everyone who wrote me an email and like I was really involved and engaged. Mm. And now I'm like, okay, I have to detach from this because it's using up all my energy trying to think of replies to all these comments and trying to, you know, if somebody sends you an email, and like, I guess it's the nature of, of when you are, making content for the autistic community and people feel like they know you because you have they have you know it's called a parasocial relationship where people watch your videos and relate to you and then the more videos they watch the more they feel like they know you and they're your friend and you don't know them at all so it's oh, yeah it's yeah. like i think see did you talk to connor ward about this about like this one-sided kind of um one one-sided uh relationship where um you put yourself out there and then people kind of feel like they know you, even though you don't know them. Yeah, it was. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. so you end up getting these um, sometimes extremely long emails, messages, uh, whatever, where people tell you extremely intimate information about their lives. Um, mm. And if somebody sends you like that much in an email, you can't just reply saying like, oh, thank you so much for your email. You know, so that's not the work that I want to be doing. That's not the work that, you know, that's the thing is, <laughs> I know people, people watch my videos and they say, Oh, you know, I really like you and, and stuff like that. But like, I don't like people that much. Like it's, I don't like talking to people and, you know, I have the people that I like, and it's not to say that if I met these people who send me emails, like on a one-on-one -on -one basis, if I like met them on the street and I, I would just shun them or whatever. That's not the case, but like, it's just the sheer volume that is really overwhelming. And like, so I've just had to kind of recently, I've been kind of like adjusting my boundaries and my expectations about what I do. And so replying to people individually, that's not something that I want to do. I can't solve individual people's problems. What I want to do is create content that like, if I get a lot of emails saying, I don't know how to get a diagnosis, then I make a video about how you get a diagnosis, you know? That's how I want to help people because like individual people kind of scare me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a perfectly fair thing to say. I think people might misinterpret, might misinterpret but like I'm not really a, a people-y kind of person either, uh, really. Uh, I think, you know, when people watch videos of a person, you can just kind of assume what that person's going to be like in um, in real life, really. In terms of just managing stuff, um, you have a, a much bigger you have a much bigger workload than uh, than I do, and um, you know uh, people adore you, whereas uh, people kind of people kind of put I, up with me. I don't, know, I don't know about that. I don't know about adore. <laughs> um, I, I think people probably probably adore you too. You know, maybe they just maybe they just don't send you the emails yet because I think. How many subscribers are you on now? Like seven and a seven and a half thousand, something like that. Uh, I'm going to ten, aren't you? I'm I'm, I'm going to have to have a look. <laughs> should, I, uh, should I look you up on social, Blade? I'm um, I'm there. I'm there. Uh, seven point eight. <laughs> Ooh, the big tens coming up. That's exciting. I, I know. Uh It'll be it'll be uh, it'll be nice uh, it'll be it'll be nice to reach it I think and uh, but um, yeah no like it I, I guess even for me at this moment in time I I do feel that pressure as well uh, not yeah. to the same not to the same extent 
but it's kind of trying to meet expectation, but also um, meeting your own satisfaction, I guess. So, uh, you know, trying to uh, make stuff which is going to help people, but at the same time, you know, it's stuff that, you know, is going to be fulfilling for you, really. But I I guess, like, the way you're doing it now, uh, the way that, well, the way you're going to be moving forward, it's kind of like how you started off your YouTube journey in the first place where you know you made the video about your diagnosis explaining it for people to understand it it is kind of the same sort of thing which I think is quite interesting yeah so I guess instead of info dumping to lots of people you make one video and info dump into that it's quite a good kind of focus for that actually which is why I think that a lot of creators on YouTube are autistic like you know there's the kind of stereotype that introverted people do well on YouTube and I think autistic people can do as well depending if they kind of like channel their um channel their passion in in of the topic into into their videos in that way because then I mean the problem is it does stop me info dumping about autism outside of my channel because I'm kind of like bored about talking about it almost by that point. But then when I talk to other people about that, then I start info dumping about YouTube to them. (laughs) It's like YouTube is also kind of like one of my special interests, like the analytics and, you know, SEO and how the whole ecosystem works. And I I find it very interesting, Um, but I have got nowhere to info dump. So whenever anyone asks about my YouTube channel, I'm like, did you know? by the way. So um, yeah, it's a little bit. uh, But at the moment, I just, you know, we're both in lockdown, aren't we? Well, I'm on semi lockdown, you're on lockdown. So um, it's a bit different, because I, I think I think that communication digitally through the internet is very different from communication in real life. And, you know, like we're saying, if I like I was saying before, if I had like meetups and everyone was asking me questions there, I'd probably be really happy to talk to people for a while anyway. But mm-hmm. I think the the digital thing is, is kind of like a barrier because you don't really get a sense of the person when they're talking. And I'm one of those people that I like, I pick up vibes about people and I don't really know why, but then I have this vibe and it usually turns out to be right. Um, okay. And you can't really like get that online so you know when people send you messages you just have absolutely no idea if they're gonna if like you reply to them and then they say well why didn't you answer this question or something like that you know so it's it's just like it's kind of a risk every time you engage every time you engage with someone online you don't really know how they're going to react because you don't have any feedback about you know what their mood is like or what anything looks like so for me makes it a bit anxiety inducing talking to talking to strangers on the internet sometimes (laughs) which I don't know because I don't know whether that's necessarily the case for all autistics probably it's probably different I'm I'm just someone that it's not necessarily facial expressions all you know because I don't always look at people's faces but it's just like the information that you get from things like tone of voice and body language and just like I don't know I don't know whether this is a bit woo-woo but I just I pick up people's vibes and and I usually get a sense of someone quite quickly it's, it's kind of impossible to do it on, uh, online quite uh, to be perfectly honest um because you don't you, you don't know what the you don't know what, uh, if there's a, a an ulterior motivation either really exactly yeah yeah, yeah. um 
And well, sometimes I think you, I think I can get it wrong. Um, just from the way that something is constructed, I'll take something completely the wrong way. And so I'll be on the defensive or I'll get a bit annoyed when maybe it wasn't their intention. And so I found that because that happened like so much and I was getting really worked up and then people were misunderstanding me, it was just leading to a lot of like misunderstandings, uh, which really stresses me out. And I think people assume because I'm very, I'm like, quite hyperverbal and and stuff i think people assume that miscommunication happens with me just as much as it does to any autistic person and so i feel more pressure sometimes to be like better at dealing with people and mm. my way is kind of like to to retreat that's that's maybe not a healthy coping mechanism but it's working for it's not it's also not really something where you've got a guidebook for how to deal with being like internet famous is there you know <laughs> no um when actually actually to kind of uh lift the lid on the i, I was gonna say tea cozy but that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever the lid on the tea cozy on the tea yeah. pot oh yes um <laughs> uh, to, to kind of uh, lift uh, that, that's it lift the veil there we go um we were kind of talking about this in our initial call and it was uh, it's it's nice it's nice for me and I think it's nice for you you know when someone actually gets it when someone actually understands um, what um, you know what kind of goes on behind the scenes it, you know so it is it is a nice thing but um, to kind of round off this section because I do I, I really want to get onto the uh, the 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 part which I think when I'm gonna do a, a, an intro actually explain what the what the part is because. I forgot to do it at the beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'll um but to kind of round off this section, uh I wanted to ask you about some of your favorite autism creators. Because mm-hmm. I asked asked Stephanie and uh, we did kind of fangirl on you. So I, I kind of I know it was really embarrassing because I was in the bath. I was just listening. I thought I'll catch it up. I'll catch up on it. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, they're talking about me, and I'm naked. This is so embarrassing. <laughs> it was just a bit weird. Um, oh, okay. Like, oh no, he's going to ask me the same question. Oh no. Okay. Oh, right. Right. Um, I got that message. I got a message of. Uh, I got the message of you saying, "Oh, I'm embarrassed." I was like, "Oh, okay. It must. I don't know." Um, they. I don't know if it was uh, sort of self-deprecation or something. It was a but bit. I, did, I, I didn't know. I didn't want to send you a message saying I was naked, did I? Because <laughs> that could be taken the wrong way. Like yes. <laughs> yeah. But, but now I actually understand the full context. This yeah. is why. This is okay. why. This is why talking to human beings, guys, is actually can actually be very insightful. Yes, talking is actually more helpful than we think, even if it's like just. Uh, like a you know phone call kind of thing well I guess this is different though but I think the thing about phone calls is that you don't have like nice headphones on and it's not like a chill conversation it's always like there's something stressful going on because somebody's called you you know Uh, it is nice to it is nice to chat to people kind of like real time not just not just online but that this is another thing you know like I, I I do things and sometimes I kind of like don't always see all of the things that are kind of autistic. So I'll send people messages and without context, they'll have no idea what I'm talking about because I forget that they don't know what I'm talking about, you know? So <laughs> yeah. people probably think I'm a bit strange, like people who know me in real life. <laughs> um, know me on the internet. 
<laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna say. I think, I think that's a general feeling that uh, a lot of us feel, which is, which is obviously a great, uh, a great thing. I, well, I, I think it's, it's, it's obviously good to feel like you can relate to others. But yeah, favorite autism creators, who, 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 um, who, who are you gonna mention? I don't know who I'm gonna mention because, like, the thing is, I'm subscribed to kind of like all the autism creators that. I can think of, you know. Hmm. Um, I, this is going to sound like I'm trying to avoid the question, which I am. Um, but like, I don't have a favorite. It's more like I like all the creators that I watch, and then I'll watch. I don't watch all of their videos because I really don't have time. And this isn't yeah. like, oh, I'm not. <laughs> it's beneath me. I just I don't have time to sit and watch YouTube, which is well, you know, a bit sad sometimes. But it's more like I'll watch one video that I'm particularly interested in and be like, oh, that's a good video, kind of thing. And usually, when it's like you or Purple Ella or someone, I like Purple Ella. I'll mention her because we're mates. I feel. <laughs> yeah, I, I was. I was gonna, I was gonna say, uh, I think, I think Ella's great. Yeah, um, and I like dropping in on her live streams and 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 trolling her in the comments, uh, <laughs> just because I think it's funny. And I normally do it when I'm having the, the night off and, I, and I'm sitting there laughing. And then of course she puts my comment on the screen and I get embarrassed. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, to, well, she's she is uh, she is great at what she does, but um, someone who. You mentioned actually in our initial call. Um, I actually went onto their channel and uh, they're really great. I'm really glad you gave me the suggestion of this person. Actually, that? Um, <laughs> I can't uh, Hansen. Oh yeah, yeah, he's very cool. Yeah, I, I was like, you, you kind of, um, you, you, you gave, you, you kind of gave, uh, gave gave him your endorsement so I was like okay right I'll check this person now I actually really love what he does he's so chill <laughs> I know he's got three kids and he's that chill it's inspiration isn't it <laughs> it, is, it is it's like uh, he's like he's like the um kind of the uh, the father figure that I would love to be just that chill chill dad with the um oh, I mean, he had really wavy hair and stuff. I mean, that, that's just cool in itself. I mean, I'm still upset that he cut his hair, but I guess he's allowed to do that if he wants. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I mean, if he if he wants to do that, that's totally fine. But uh, no, like I strongly I, recommend he doesn't. I mean, you know, that's just that's just someone who has an incredible following on on YouTube, highly recommending something. I don't know. You know, people are free to. <laughs> People are free to take it or leave it, but that was me being passive aggressive for those who don't understand uh, tone in a in a joking way. I do that kind of humor a lot, and people don't always get it, and um, they think I'm just being mean. <laughs> uh, uh, to, I, I feel, I feel, I, I feel like I get you, which is good. Good, uh, good. Um, but yeah, no, um, guys, if you want to check out Hunter Hansen, you definitely should, um, because. Uh, I don't know. He's just really chill. He, he explains things very well in a, yeah. in a very calm, calm way. And um, his kids are delightful, I have to say. Yeah, and really we great. we all need more autistic parenting content, I think, because it's just like there is so, like, 
I guess um, I'm just trying to think what other autistic, like obviously Ella, Ella's um, got, does she have two kids or three kids? I think she's got three kids. Um, Hunter Hansen's doing that. The Aspie world's obviously, he's got a kid, but he doesn't really do parenting content, does he? Um, no, and I think, I, I think Ella has two, I think. Yeah, maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe I'm mixing her up with another creator, a non-autistic creator. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, it's like the thing is, it's just really hard to make aut not autism parenting. Like it's it's hard to make parent parenting content about being autistic without seeming like you're just whining. You know, because it's like you can't really make videos like 10 things I love about being an autistic parent because you just be like, OK, yeah, name one. <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, it's it's not like I don't love being a parent, but it's like, well, OK, what's great about being an autistic parent? It's like it's a bit strange. Like if you said, OK, make a video, 10 things you love about being autistic. Sure. No problem. Like 10 things you love about being a parent. I could probably make, make that video. But like what does being an autistic parent it's it's a bit of a strange concept and there's not much that's been done on it and there's certainly not much like research and literature so it's a bit like you know where do you go forward and and how do you create content that that helps people that helps other autistic parents and you know like yourself mm. I mean you said that you were you were considering it is that right I don't want to out you oh my gosh but you said you would think, might be thinking about having kids at some point. Yeah, that, that's that's true. It's uh, you, you're definitely not out with me. Don't worry. Okay, I've, right. I've, 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 I've said it. I've said it before. Yeah. Um, yeah but that's kind of why I, I wanted to do something like this eventually. I didn't realize it was going to be uh, with you, but I, I, you know, it's a, it's just a really great conversation to have because there are very few examples of um, autistics parenting you know just um autistic kids or even neurotypical kids you know seeing kind of how yeah. how that works you, you know and it's uh to, I, can, I can understand that it is possibly difficult to make content around that because it's yeah um, but I, I i don't know what's what do you think is difficult about it or well, could be difficult about for it for me i mean i don't put pictures of my child on the internet even on my private profiles so any content that i made would be like no question like my child would not be in it so you know all the cute stuff <laughs> like Hunt hansen he's got a really cute channel because the kids are really cute like so i i wouldn't really be able to make content like that and then I don't know. I think it's difficult because a lot of it is just talking about struggles and maybe the maybe like strategies that you've used. The thing that's also difficult for me is that my child is coming up to three and a half and um, he's not been diagnosed with anything. He's almost certainly neurodivergent in some way. We don't really know what flavor yet. Um, I, I would imagine probably both probably both autistic and ADHD, but you know, he's not been diagnosed and hmm. we don't have a particular reason to get him diagnosed right now because he doesn't need extra support. Um, so it's, it's sort of like, okay, I make a video about parenting, but surely that's only helpful if, you know, like parenting, 
an autistic person parenting an autistic kid or an, what it's like parenting a neurotypical kid. And I can't really, I can't really make that kind of content. Um, yeah. the, so the only way I can really talk about parenting is kind of like how I manage myself, you know, like how I manage my triggers and, you know, how to, how I take care of myself and like what it's like, you know? Mm. So I mean, it's definitely something that I wanted to talk about, and I probably will talk about talk about it um, in the future. You know, because we are, you know, we do want to have another kid um, in the future. So it's it's probably something that's going to be coming up, but it's just a bit difficult when you don't want to show your kid's face on camera. I don't know, and I'm and I'm not really. I watched your. Um, I listened to half of your podcast in the bath, and then I watched the second half where you and Stephanie were talking about. Uh, fathering autism on youtube it's like i guess that's an adhd concentration thing i couldn't sit there for an hour and a half just listening to a podcast um that that's that's fair enough (laughs) but it was nice because you'd split it up quite nicely so i appreciated that actually um but like you know i think with fathering autism not that I'm about to give my my opinion on fathering autism it's but (laughs) main thing main issue I have uh with his content is that I, I the family vlogger style is something that I really think is not good for kids I don't really agree with family vlogging like that I think it's I think it's dodgy you know I think it's really dodgy to be putting so much of your child's life on the on the internet because even a teenager like even a neurotypical teenager, I don't really think that teenagers have much concept. Maybe nowadays they do, but certainly when I was a teenager, you didn't have a concept that anything you put on the internet was on the internet forever and could potentially yeah. be found forever. And and I just think that that's, so that's, I think that probably informs a lot of my opinion on fathering autism because I'm not keen on the on the family vlog thing in the first place. That's fair enough. Um, I mean, it's not. I mean, it's obviously not. For, it's not for everyone. I mean, um, um, well, by the time this is out, um, people would have already seen that uh, I made that section of the podcast its own video. And <laughs> oh, have you got comments uh, on that? I didn't see any comments. Uh, um, it didn't necessarily. I don't think it divided people. I, I, I just. I think I was. I think we were quite. I think we both were quite respectful with that fact. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, because. I, I, but I kind of knew either way. Um, there were going to be people, people who will not like what we were going to say, regardless. It, it was going. It was going to happen. It was going to happen, really. But um, actually, I guess in terms of. Uh, um, you know, autistic parenting and neurotypical kind of parenting. Um, not using fathering autism as an example, because mm-hmm. you know, to um, just it, just in general, yeah, what are the differences? I know you obviously said they, uh, in terms of being an autistic person, it can be a bit more of a can. I, I, that sounded really patronising, didn't it? A bit more of a struggle. But do you know what I'm? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, well, life is more of a struggle in general, and parenting is like—I don't want to say heavy burden, but it's—it's it's a lot. It's—it's um, a lot of stuff. It uproots your life. It turns your life on its head, in some ways. In, in other ways, it 
might not really change it that much, especially if you're kind of a homebody to begin with. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's a lot of responsibility. It's um, it's a lot to bear. And, and I think that if you don't have support in place, it can be a time that, uh, you know, really drags you down is a bit of a negative way of saying this but where wears you down and and I think for me especially because remember I didn't I didn't get my diagnosis officially until my son was 18 months old um so and I was kind of like I think it was around when he was like four to six months old is when I had my light bulb moment I was like okay I'm going to research this kind of thing so you know I was kind of like I went through all of pregnancy thinking thinking I was going insane because of it wasn't a really great pregnancy like there was nothing wrong with me but I just felt terrible the entire pregnancy and um you know and I thought I was going mad because I was my sensory sensitivities were extremely heightened um Mm. and people were acting like you know why are you complaining like you're not that you, you, everyone you know people get pregnant every day and you're not special kind of thing um I also had some really awful friends at the time so uh, that didn't help but they're out of my life now but you know so it was like from the minute I got pregnant and then like having a small child and navigating all of that not knowing you're autistic that really that really messes with your head because mm. there were times where I actually just thought I like I thought I was just disintegrating from the inside and of course, now I know, you know, like, oh, I've got a good selection of headphones and earplugs that I can use when the baby's been crying for four hours because it's got colic, you know, like, yeah. so now I know, okay, this information that I'm extremely sensitive to sound is very useful information because I can prepare myself for it now. So I think having knowledge about your own triggers and your own how you manage your own autistic difficulties will set you up to to cope better when when it comes time to be a parent yeah definitely um (laughs) so you're probably in a better space because you've obviously spent a lot of time thinking about it and making videos about ways that you cope and you know you've got you've got ways to manage things so you just know that when it comes down to it that you need to kind of like double down on all all those strategies like if you've got problems with executive functioning you need to make sure that you're organized um yeah you know if you've got issues with with sensitive hearing you need to make sure that you've got uh noise cancelling headphones that you're very happy with or you've you've you make sure that you schedule in enough time to go and like just be by yourself just lock yourself in a cupboard for like 30 minutes you know we've all been there <laughs> uh I, I mean I can't remember the last time I uh, put myself in a cupboard, to be honest. <laughs> well, wait till you become a parent. <laughs> oh, oh, Actually, um, having said that, I have not put myself in a cupboard since I became a parent, but I have locked myself in the toilet a few times, which I think is pretty common among parents. I was going to say, I, um, when I was um, at, a, at a former workplace, I, I would uh, get quite stressed out with work, so... Uh, sometimes I would lock myself in 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 in, in the loose for like five to five ten minutes. Um, I do that so. at school as well. Actually, I I've been thinking about that recently. Like I had my favorite toilets at school, which <laughs> don't we all? Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I would just if I was having an overwhelming day, I would like not just ten minutes. Like I'd hide in there for like twenty minutes, half an hour, kind of thing. 
Hmm. Which when you look back at it, you think, really, did it really take me like 33 years to get diagnosed? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I guess I guess in terms of like the difference, I guess um, one of the key things that um, is kind of apparent is kind of like the support for for parents is I think. I don't know when it comes to like neurotypical parents and I'm not making an assumption. I'm just, it, it's just kind of what I'm thinking, you know, at, at this moment in time, it's like, if there's a neurotypical parents with an autistic kid, you know, there tends to be a lot more, I oh, will help you through this, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But I don't know if that's kind of the same or there is a, dif- a difference in that aspect in terms of uh, su- support, or um, or it, or whether that support for autistic parents is actually available. To be honest, um, well, obviously that depends on the country you're in. I mean, there is very little support for autistic adults in the UK. Full stop. Where I am, I do get support. It's not related necessarily to my status as a parent, although that has been part of it for some of the support I get. Hmm. Um, But I don't think I know of any resources that are specifically to help autistic parents. And actually, that would be like, that would be such a good thing, wouldn't it? To To have like an online resource or like create some kind of a, guidebook for autistic parents wouldn't it like yeah it would be kind of good I don't even think that I'm the right because I don't think I'm the right person to do that necessarily because at the end of the day I've only been a parent for three and a half years and I've only parented one child so maybe it would be the kind of thing that would need to get a whole bunch of people together to you know crowd crowdsource the information in some way yeah, like I don't know. It could be because um, I know um, some people have like a like. I hate the use use the term survival guide, but I guess <laughs> when it comes to parenting of any sort, you you kind of want to hear from the people who have the experience. Yeah. So if I'm going into a new situation, I like to know what I'm getting myself into and you know i've obviously i've obviously i've obviously asked the questions like oh uh, what do you what do you do when uh, this happens or that happens but you know it's usually from the view of uh neurotypical people which is not a bad thing at all i'm i'm not i'm not saying that it's but it's a different experience i think when you know you know it's just a different experience i mean the main problem with um using resources made with neurotypical parents in mind is that a lot of these strategies just don't work if your kid's neurodivergent, you know, like for example, sleep. Okay. Sleep is a big issue for autistic kids and autistic adults. Right. Mm. And but obviously a lot of neurotypical parents and kids like have problems getting a sleep routine and getting their kids to sleep. Uh, so, so the problem is, is kind of like universal in some ways. But the solution is definitely not. And like, there's a big divide within parenting communities, which I'm sure when you get to the point, you'll be delighted to know that every community is as divided as the autistic community can be. But, you know, like there are some parents who swear by the cried out method, which is basically like, I mean, at at its cruelest, you just leave your kids to cry until it goes to sleep. 
Um, and if you're doing the kind of nurturing cry it out method, you let them cry for five minutes and then you go back in and pat them on the head or whatever. And then you let them cry for seven minutes and you go back in and, you know, and you progressively mm. drag it out until eventually the, the child wears itself out. Um, and there are a huge amount of different strategies. This is just one example of, of, of something, you know, okay. of getting your child to sleep. And I think I probably tried them all. My child would not, he just would not go to sleep between the ages of, I don't know, 14 months and 18 months. It, it would take 90 minutes to get him to sleep. And, you know, we tried everything. Um, and because I was so focused, because at the time, obviously I hadn't been diagnosed and it, it kind of like, even though my husband has ADHD, it never even occurred to me that I'd have like a neurodivergent child because that wasn't really on my radar at the time. Yeah. So, um, you know, I had these months where like I was just completely sleep de deprived and eventually I, the solution that the solution that we ended up doing was just sitting with him for up to an hour and a half for him to fall asleep every night. Um, and it still kind of feels like that was not weakness, but that's like giving in somehow right? You have this feeling like that's not what you're supposed to be doing. But at the end of the day, I'm not a, I think I tried cry it out method a couple of times. And, you know, most people, they say, oh, you know, he, they went to sleep within 10 minutes. It's a miracle. My child was crying for 40 minutes and that happened once. And I thought, this is not right. This is not how I want to parent. And I, I can't, I can't leave him like this. And he just wasn't calming down, hmm. you know, wasn't getting himself tired in the same way and he still doesn't he still doesn't get tired in the same way that other kids do like the more tired he gets the more active he gets and then but he's getting he's getting a lot better like this was just you know a few months where the problem was really bad but when yeah. you're looking for solutions within common wisdom or neurotypical parenting groups um the advice they give you is completely irrelevant sometimes and just will not work and i think that that is possibly the best advice that I could give anyone, especially if they have neurodivergent kids is just like, don't feel guilty or feel like you've failed if the advice doesn't work because it's about finding what does work, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And my son is no worse. For, like I feel like a bit of a mug sometimes having sat there for however long. The thing is looking back at it, I know exactly why he wasn't sleeping at night, <laughs> which is really, which is really cruel. I think of my poor self back then. And I think I just wish I could tell her because he was, he was sleeping too late. You know, his second nap was too long and I would let him sleep too much in the day. But the problem was I was desperately trying to catch up on the sleep that I wasn't getting at night. So I was appreciating those daytime naps. And then I was just trying to put him to bed too early. And it was a kind of like a really vicious cycle, mm. but I couldn't, I couldn't see that. Um, obviously now I know I'll, you know, I'll be on the watch next time. But it's things like that. You know, you, you're desperately trying to figure out a solution. And um, all of these experts have their opinions. And there are so many books. And you can spend so much money on sleep aids and white noise machines and all these kind of things. And sometimes some people's kids, they're just like, I just need to give them melatonin, even when they're 15 months old. And I don't think 
I wouldn't say that mainstream you're supposed to give melatonin under the age of three. We did actually try melatonin and that was one of the things that did work, but I stopped after a while because he didn't seem to need it anymore. But Mm -hmm. like, no, the problem is that treating a neurodivergent child, which I'm going to assume he is, but you know, undiagnosed, but treating them as if they should just be able to sleep like a neurotypical child is kind of doing a disservice to everyone. So Mm -hmm. you really have to kind of, you really have to embrace other autistic parents, you know, find, find those support groups. I do have, um, I do have a group that I'm a part of, which I won't say because otherwise people might join it and find me. I don't know, (laughs) but I have a variety of like mums support groups for autistic mothers. And that's been really helpful because people have got a variety of opinions and approaches and you can usually find someone who's aligned with your kind of values Hmm. and like, when I say values, I mean like, you know, I don't want to leave my child crying for 40 minutes to teach him that he needs to go to sleep because in my opinion, if a child is crying that much, it's because he, he wants to be comforted. He needs, he needs the comfort. Hmm. You know? So yeah, it's a bit, it's, it's really tricky. And for me, it's been like problem solving, you know, and maybe the reason that my child doesn't seem to have so many obvious traits although I didn't either at his age is because I've spent so much energy desperately problem solving the issues he had you know if he had a neurotypical parent who tried neurotypical things and he didn't get to sleep you know if he didn't get as much sleep as he did I think his traits would be much worse so in that respect I think autistic parents can be quite can be very good parents for autistic kids well obviously but you know because we can really focus in if 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 your hyper focus becomes not your child but just parenting in general and you focus on okay this is this is the problem let's find a solution to this let's go research all these different techniques let's research this let's think about this and implement and kind of like a scientific experiment and I don't think that's an approach that neurotypical parents would necessarily take to a problem. I suppose, I suppose not. Um, I, I think uh, they would. I think they would go out and seek advice, but I don't think um, you know. You, they would obviously just ask like in a circle kind of thing, and not actually look outside. Outside that, probably, yeah. quite possibly. Um, I think for me, um, when it comes to parenting, I think that whole thing. Uh, of leaving a kid to cry, I couldn't do it personally, um, because well, one, uh, I would just want the noise, the st- noise to stop because I'm because yeah. I'm like because I'm, I'm I'm like noise sensitive to stuff yeah. and you know something that I do want to ask though is how does your your autism help you be a parent? Because um, yes, I can obviously imagine that parenting is obviously hard. You've obviously talked about that, but I think. I think autism in general can, you know, there are good good points and bad points, just like with anything else in life, really. But yeah. I, I, I did wonder how does... Um, I, I think, actually, you did mention, uh, mention the hyperfocus, but I don't know whether that's a part of your, like, um, your I kind of, like, ADHD. Well, maybe. <laughs> um, I think the hyperfocus is probably a part of the the way that I find out information and find solutions to problems. So um, I'm trying to think of another example that doesn't involve like sleep or whatever. Um, let's just um, talk about like 
well, I don't know. Maybe you can think of something that you want to know about, and then I'll try and. Uh... Um, I guess just, I guess just general. Uh, I don't know, just general behavior. I guess like how do you, like just. I don't know how do you just deal with a with a with a kid? I guess because <laughs> I'm I'm very because I've not I'm not the most I I would say I don't know I've never really until until like the last few years uh, ever thought I'd have kids in the first place. So I don't typically know what goes on in like when it comes to like, young kids, especially because I, I I never grew up with uh, younger kids. I was the youngest kid in my uh, family my sister went off to university I don't know what kind of issues there are I mean obviously I, I know from like an autism point of view that uh, sleep is like the main kind of thing that gets brought up in gen- yeah. in general it's, it's a massive topic in itself to be honest um I don't know I mean- Okay, so I've got a three-year-old and sort of like two three-year-olds they've got a reputation for being well illogical little bastard sometimes um that's maybe the nicest way I can put it um and obviously this depends because I don't want to be doling out parenting advice because like this is the advice on how I deal with my child who is not necessarily like other children even like other autistic or ADHD kids you know um I've always been like somebody that doesn't dumb things down so I I've explained to my son from the start of this year why we can't go outside. It's because of the virus. And that also means that when you get back from preschool, you've got to wash your hands and that's non-negotiable. And that's, you know, I use these words. Um, he's he's extremely, uh, he's extremely almost hyperverbal, hyperlexic like me. Um, but, you know, I, I, I use these words and, and I, and I don't try and scare him. I just, I'm very honest about things happening in the world. Mm. You know, um, I don't sugarcoat things. Um, you know, I have no intention of making up some kind of a Santa myth uh, because it would be very strange given the cultural <laughs> the cultural influences of our family and also the fact that we live in the Netherlands where Santa is Sinterklaas and it's a whole different thing. So I am, and some people think that you are being cruel by not, by not doing that, by saying that, like, I'm. It's not like I'm going to say no. There's no such thing as Santa, and by the way, he's dead or whatever. Um, you know, like you don't have to do it in a cruel way. It's just you don't bring up. You can talk about Santa as this sort of thing that happens in movies and kids' TV shows and stuff like that. But yeah, the whole mythology of it mythology that's maybe a bit too much but you know like I just don't see why you would do it because my kid is looking forward to Christmas like any other kid (laughs) like and he loves putting up decorations and and singing Christmas songs and he loves all of that and so but I think that's probably kind of an autistic approach because it would never occur to me to lie to my child to make things better you know like I would never I didn't lie to him about what was happening because of the virus. I was just like, you know, this is the situation and that's why we can't go anywhere. And yeah, it really sucks, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess that's actually quite an interesting way of doing it. To be honest, for me, I probably would do the same thing because I don't know, like I can get into the whole thing of, oh, well, I don't know because I haven't experienced it. (laughs) But 
I, I probably would do the same sort of thing, but then because I have uh, my Nicola, who is uh, neurotypical, I uh, she would obviously play into oh you know Santa Claus is real. He lives in um, I don't know Lapland or where or, or wherever, and I, I'm just like but but you 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 you're just you know saying something that isn't kind of uh true really um well but- she probably needs to be prepared then for the kid if if the kid is autistic to turn around and go santa no because <laughs> that's what me and my brother did apparently apparently my mum tried at some point to talk about santa and we just laughed in her face so <laughs> You know, it can go both ways. You know, she might be disappointed that um, that it doesn't quite happen like like she would expect. Yeah, but I, I think to be fair, she is is with me, and you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, I, I I think that's kind of the, the good thing about just just our relationship in general because we you know we do have those different experiences, and you know, I think when it comes to um you know having a child i think it would be a good thing i think i'll be i think i'll be like you in a way where i'd want to analyze the situation before dive kind of diving into it and you know uh, that sort of thing whereas um nicola is kind of the opposite she'll just go in uh kind of head first it's like uh yes uh, completely unrelated to parenting but it kind of sums up my point really um we got uh, a few packages uh, delivered to the house yesterday and uh, she was opening up these packages with her bare hands. And there was me uh, standing there in the kitchen just being like, why don't you get scissors out of the drawer? It'll make it easier for yourself. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I think we'll end up having two different approaches. But I yeah. think but I think for me, kind of treating them like little adults, probably, <laughs> I'll probably not try not to do it. I'll try my best not to, but it will just be that thing that I do because it's just who I am as a person and I think you know but you also can end up when when you take that approach you can end up with a kid who is very much more independent and capable than if you kind of like baby them too long I don't know I'm never one of these people that's really like oh the babies and oh they grow up so fast because first of all my experience of of my my perception of time during parenting has not been they grow up so fast like the last three years has lasted three decades in my like I don't know why it's not like I haven't enjoyed it or it's been awful it's just like I felt like it's been such a long time and so I don't relate to the whole they grow up so fast thing I just don't because it doesn't that's not how time has passed for me um, but I'm never, I'm not one of these people who's like, oh, it's so sad. They're getting so big and they're not going to be a baby anymore. I'm like the opposite. I'm delighted every time my child does something, you know, like when he was able to dress himself, I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. You know, so I've been more like, I think a lot of parents are very into the baby and nostalgia kind of thing. And and I'm more mm. like not quite shoving him out the door, but it's like, you know, he he can do a lot of things and I see his his neurotypical peers, I don't know, I wouldn't say that I'm a pushy parent. I'm not pushing him to do things. I'm just allowing him and giving him that room to be capable where he's able to be, you know? Yeah. Giving him the option. Like, he drinks, I don't know whether this is common, he drinks with, like, you know, china mugs. Well, not fine china, but, you know, like, ceramic mugs. Um, Mm. And we went went somewhere... 
at some point and they were saying, oh, is he all right? Does he need a sippy cup kind of thing? I'm like, no, he's been taught to drink out of a, a ceramic mug because, okay, you don't spend a fortune on them. But if they're given that opportunity, I think kids, unless there's like, you know, dyspraxia or a coordination issue kind of thing, that's a separate kind of thing. But of mm-hmm. course, this is dependent on the child, isn't it? And my, my kid's not super coordinated. He's a bit clumsy. So don't get me wrong there. But I've given him that opportunity since he was quite young to, you know, this is just one example, drink with a drink with a ceramic mug. And now he does it. And we haven't actually had any broken mugs or glasses, which is one thing. But I, I guess that's just that is my kind of approach and philosophy. It's very much like you are preparing them to be adults. Mm. And so you got to treat them like, you know, they can do it. That's do you know what? That's actually quite an interesting way of looking at it, actually. It's like, I, I guess that is kind of the, the the kind of the, I don't want to say goal, but it's the only word I can think of at this moment in time. Kind of the goal of a parent is to, you know, prepare them for, for life, really. Yeah. You know, um, leaving the uh, leaving the nest and, you know, fend, well, <laughs> leaving the nest and fended for themselves. <laughs> it's like a barbaric kind of way of looking at it. But that is yeah. kind of what, what that's kind of is what it's uh, like, really. But it's also about like what you want your life to be as a parent, because like the first three years, probably the hardest, I would say. But then you've got you've still got a kid in the house for the next 15 years. Sorry, I'm just fiddling around with things on my desk. Um, <laughs> no worries. I picked it up on the microphone. Um, you know, you've got to live with them for the next 15 years. So you, you need to raise your kids into somebody that you can tolerate living with. Because that's also like, you know, it's not just about when before I had before I had my child, it was always like, oh, we're going to have a baby. We're going to have a baby. But then all of a sudden you have like this little person and you better hope that you've raised them <laughs> not to be someone that you don't like living with. Um, <laughs> Cause you know, they're there, <laughs> they're there now. Um, yeah. And I, I think I've done all right with my kid. Like most people love my kid, uh, maybe a little bit more than they like me actually, but he drives me crazy sometimes. And, and I think that that is probably a lot of that is probably ADHD traits because the, there is hyperactivity. Hmm. Um, you know, but also I see things and the way that he's considerate of other people, which is very important to me not to be really like selfish and rude and doing things that you want to do, no matter how it affects other people. So I've been very firm with my sensory boundaries. Like he wants the light on, but if the light is hurting my eyes, I say, we have to have it off because this is, this is your want, but this is my need. Actually, mm-hmm. I didn't. I never actually said it to him like that, but that's a good way of putting it, isn't it? You know, as, you as want as the actually, light yeah. on, but I need the light off. You mm. see, and so, and that has been like from well, maybe not from absolute baby because little babies don't really do anything. You just put them in a papoose and you know go about your day mostly. But um, that's a very oh. idealized, <laughs> idealized notion. But you know, like explaining to him from like you know one and a half to two that kind of age when they can understand a lot of what you say um Mm. he knows that he knows that i'm sensitive to noise so he knows that there is one particular video that he loves to watch on youtube which i don't even know what's called it's just a random video it has the most aggravating noises and he knows that if he wants that on he's like can we watch this one but very very quietly you know (laughs) (laughs) 
he's, he's a funny little chap actually um just as funny as his mum um but you know like because I've been really clear on my boundaries and I don't think that's a bad thing to communicate your needs to your child you know like it's not being selfish it's telling them because I say there comes to a point where I say to him if you carry on like this mummy's gonna have a meltdown you know mm-hmm. and if you don't let mummy go upstairs and have a bit of quiet I'm gonna lose it you know and and that is a lot better to tell him this than to suddenly snap and scream at everyone you know giving yeah. to, it's almost like you narrate how you're feeling like this light is a bit bright. Can we please turn it off? Can you keep this noise down? Mummy's starting to get agitated. You know, like, and that seems like it's making it all about you, but actually it's like, it's helping them make sense of what's going on within you so that if you do, even if you still end up being having a meltdown because they don't listen to you or because of other factors unrelated to them, at least they're aware of what's just happened. And you know, you didn't just come out of nowhere screaming and hitting the walls, you know, because that can be scary. Yeah, true. But also, I think as well, if you have that kind of approach, and I'm I'm just commenting as a as an outsider, really. But you know, if you actually do have like an open kind of, well, open and honest kind of communication with your kid, surely that makes them a better person, it makes them more considerate, and um, just going into going into life in general of like how. I hope so, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, that's kind of how I would, um, you know, uh, like like things to go. You know, whether it turns out that way, that's obviously a different matter, in, uh, d- different matter entirely. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's kind of, you know, I, I like that philosophy actually. I think that's actually it's actually quite a good thing actually uh, to do. But um, I guess something I, I guess I can kind of ask is, you know, uh, what do you enjoy about? Uh, parent I was going to ask about it earlier but then uh, uh, you were kind of in the flow so I thought do you know what you're you're actually talking really good stuff so (laughs) (laughs) Um, what do I enjoy about parenting Um, it's it's very rewarding watching something that you've created I mean like especially as a woman when you it literally grows within you that's like it's it's pretty nice to be like yeah I I made that um (laughs) Yeah. Especially when they come out nicely. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, it's really, I find it really re- rewarding. Possibly as I alluded to before, like watching him grow and develop new skills. And I really loved watching him with his language because he he is hyperlexic. He's not been diagnosed as such, but when he turned two, around his second birthday, he, he went through two weeks where he was absolutely obsessed with uh there's a dr seuss book which is like an abc's book it's just a silly little rhyming thing okay and but he just became absolutely obsessed with this book for like two weeks and during that time he learned to identify all the letters like written not just because we mentioned it to them well I don't know what the English equivalent actually is, but you know, like you take your kid to the child development at various points for checkups and stuff like that. And we mentioned it and she said, Oh, you know, you mean he can sing the ABC song? And I'm like, no, he can read the letters. (laughs) He can identify the letters. And there was a big pause. I'm like, you really can. (laughs) Um, So. Sorry. I think the, I think the like um, English equivalent would be like, 
maybe like a health visitor or something like yeah. that maybe. And they yeah. have them they have them on regular basis up until the age of four and then it's like a different department. Um mm. but it's it's good because it's like, you know, it identifies I guess the the at risk kids as well. Um but you know, when I try and talk about this kind of stuff, it took them it took me a long time to get them to believe me. And I was like, no, he just decided to learn the alphabet. Um but now he's three he's three and four months and he's pretty much reading he's reading a lot independently he he'll like go up to the screen on laptop and like if if i've got twitter open or something and he goes does that say home and i'm like yes it does (laughs) very good and that says notifications (laughs) um so yeah he's like that's been the most incredible thing watching his language skills blossom and watching him learn to read that's been like just i'm and i don't know whether that's a parenting thing or just like because I'm kind of a nerdy language personal I like words and reading um I just think it's cool and not in a kind of like I want to show off my kid isn't he great I just think it's just really cool to be fair it it, 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 it sounds really cool I have to be honest um but I'm sure uh, you get the same thing like even if you don't have a hyperlexic kid it's just like nice watching your kid develop skills and like learning new things and becoming a person you know yeah, no, de- no, definitely, and um, uh, yeah, definitely, absolutely, absolutely, and I think for me, when I, actually, when we actually undergo that journey, I think that kind of, um, kind of uh, mystery of what's going to happen, what will happen, but also how how we end up influence influencing them. I think will, it, it's it's definitely going to be interesting, and it is something I'm. Uh, well, years ago, I I wouldn't have. I wouldn't be sitting here saying, "Oh, I, I like the idea of parenting," because mm-hmm. it just seemed like a a, mon- a monumental task. I didn't even know I said that right, but <laughs> but uh, yeah. but I can kind of see. I can I can definitely see, especially talking to you as well. Like kind of like the the kind of the benefits of it, really. I guess actually to kind of round this topic off, because I feel like we have talked quite a lot, and there's a lot of information there um for people to consume and um ponder over and you know all of all of that stuff have you got any other bits of advice for autistics um maybe who who are like me who are thinking about uh considering being parents and just some things to think about well i think there's never going to be a good time that's the thing like i was always waiting what's a good time and then you get to a point you're like, there's there's never going to be a point where, you know, you're just like, yes, now would be a great time to turn my life upside down. You know, it, it, it just doesn't happen like that. But there might be there might be a more convenient time, um, certainly. But, you know, it's just about like if you're kind of putting it off because you're scared or you're a bit unsure, but not because there's any reason to be like if you want, you know, if you want kids if you don't really want kids, then I I would advise, like, don't. Don't do it because you feel social pressure to, like, because that will make it so much harder. The, the fact that I wanted to, wanted my child uh, very much um, make, makes it easier because it's not like, you know, I don't, I don't resent him in any way. Um, and I think if if I hadn't really wanted him or if I was doing it for, because it was social pressure or something, I, I think I'd have a much worse time. So I think you got to be really honest with yourself. Like, you know, if you really want kids, having said that you can really want kids and also really struggle, especially with the early years. 
And I think possibly the early years are harder for autistic parents because it's more of a sensory onslaught. Um, but like um, you, we asked for advice, I guess that's that's some advice. Um, but also like you're probably more capable than you think, and and like uh, ignoring everybody else's advice is is probably going to save your sanity because most of the time people don't know what they're talking about and. They'll just re they'll just repeat advice that maybe their parents told them or they heard from somewhere, and it just doesn't make any sense. So you just have to like train yourself to listen to your own gut about what your child needs, because I think having a child is a very um, kind of like primal thing. You know, like it's in our bodies. We we know what to do with kids. That's how we survived as a species. So you just have to really like listen to that. And if that's not something that uh, that sort of the conventional wisdom on on child rearing agrees with, then maybe that doesn't matter. But you like you do you kind of thing. As long as as long as your child's needs are being met. I definitely agree with that. Especially part especially about the part uh, when it comes to actually I guess understand understanding your own worth in a way. Uh, that's that's something I've I'm I'm not the best at. I'll I'll be honest. Uh, but uh, no, that's actually great advice. Uh, so thank you for for I don't know uh, giving your giving your thoughts. Well, Thanks. yeah, I don't want to like paint myself as some kind of parenting guru or or whatever. But I also just think that like, well, you know, I can I can see you you being like on the other side, being a bit unsure, not knowing if you'll be able to cope. And I can tell you now, you you will cope because you have to. You'll just like, the baby will be born and you'll just be like, okay, right, now we just have to focus on this all the time. And you'll be tired and it'll be stressful and there'll be sensory overloads during this point. You just keep going. That's that's the thing. And you just keep dealing with the next the next thing that happens. Don't, not like the next problem or whatever. But, you know, there's... Children have got very different needs throughout their life and you just have to you have to get good at adapting and that's probably something that some autistic people are not very good at. But mm. that's my warning is that like there's a lot of change and there's a lot of adapting that you need to do. Well, I think, you know, that's obviously just comes with comes with the territory really, but I think kind of the reason why um you know, I'm I'm just you know, enjoyed listening to you talk about, you know, your son and everything is just not because you're an expert. Like if someone was an expert on something, I I don't know. It 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 doesn't come across in the right way. But you know, I I think it's just more I don't know, you just you just you just talk about it in such a like I don't know, just a, a human way, I guess. And oh, thank you. That's a that's a ni- very nice compliment calling me human there. <laughs> <laughs> Because we're all robots, guys. We're all... Yeah, I know. It's been a while since someone called me a human. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you know, I, th- I think people just want to hear from real people. And yeah. that's what that's what the podcast is for, really. Yeah. Well, that's, what, that's why people watch YouTube as well, I think, a lot of the time. That's very true. That's very true. But um, a question that uh, I like to ask to end my podcasts, uh, what advice would you give to someone to unmask what would your advice be Hmm. to unmask um start out with people that you really trust start out in your inner circle and do it slowly 
don't, you know, the thing is, um, I can't remember who I, I was talking to someone else earlier in the week, I think, um, about unmasking. And especially if you've built up a mask for over a period of decades or years, that's not coming off. It's it's kind of like knitted into who you are. And so you really have to say, okay, which bits are not working for me and which bits are okay? Because I don't, I don't really think that you need to fully unmask, you know, I, I don't think that it's safe for autistics to fully fully unmask, depending on which country they live in, their circumstances, um, you know, their gender presentation, their race. It's it's not always safe for autistics to unmask. And so you just have to do it in a way that feels safe to you and feels comfortable and is a, a conscious decision, you know, saying like, okay, when I'm with this person, I don't need to make really exaggerated facial expressions because they know that I'm listening to them. So I can just relax my face and then untense my body, for example. That's just one example. But like, you know, um, for me, a lot of it, a lot of unmasking has been about realizing that when I'm when I'm talking to someone that is not like one of my close friends or family, I the reason I know I'm masking is because my whole body is actually tense and I'm sitting very tensely. Whereas if I'm talking to someone that I'm comfortable with, I'll be sitting like cross-legged or I'll be sitting in a funny position and my body will be relaxed. And so learning, figuring that out, and it's probably not the same for everyone, but you know, that's figuring something out about the way that I mask and what my body does when I'm masking to think, okay, well, if I want to unmask a little bit with someone, all I need to do is just notice that I'm tensing and then physically intense and maybe I don't change anything in my behavior but it's a it's a decision to be like I don't need to pretend with these people you know Mm. pretend is maybe the wrong word but you know I don't need to mask with these people and I might still mask but then you say well I don't need to and that's the important thing because you regardless of what you end up presenting on the outside it is about kind of like being true to yourself and not doing things out of fear. That's what I've got. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, that was actually a really great answer. There's there's no, to be honest, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just, you know, uh, what people, uh, what people think. It's an open-ended question. And I love, I do love a good open-ended question because it just, I don't know. And I can go on and on for hours, you know, it's just as well that you're going to stop me soon because like, (laughs) When it comes to talking about this, we could probably just carry on talking for a while until one of us needs to pee. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. To be honest, that's, that is very much true. But if only we were robots, right? (laughs) (laughs) Then we really could carry on. We wouldn't need to do all the pesky biological human stuff. Oh God. I know. Right. I know. Right. (laughs) Oh, but God, it's it's a shame that's a that's a thing because I have really enjoyed my time uh, listening to you and and conversing. Um, it's it's just been great. I hope you enjoyed the. Uh, I hope you have enjoyed your time because I, yeah, I never know. Fun. No, no, it's always fun to chat about this kind of stuff and like talking about YouTube, especially. Oh, you could have kept me going for ages. Um, but it's nice also to talk about parenting. Actually, sometimes talking about things like this helps me. Sometimes I don't. I don't necessarily, I haven't necessarily thought of all the things until you ask me the question. And so I'm probably going to go away and think, huh, 
I came out with that. Did, is that really what I think? <laughs> well, I hope it is. But you know, do you know what I mean? It's like sometimes it brings out things and you say it and you're like, oh, yeah, I guess so. So it's nice. It's nice, actually. I like talking about stuff like this. So um, thank you very much for having me on. Oh, it's always a not... pleasure to be to be invited on on an Indie Andy podcast or YouTube collab or something like that. <laughs> uh, well, we'll definitely have to work on this something soon uh, for sure. But um, I think we'll leave it a little while. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't want to wear people out with our awesomeness. No, absolutely not. No, <laughs> no. But um, no, guys. If for whatever reason you haven't checked Sam out. Firstly, why haven't you? Have a have a look down below in the description. Uh, you'll find you Sam. Actually, mention the name of my YouTube channel because I feel like I just said I was Sam, and I don't even think it's. <laughs> Did you As... mention my YouTube channel name? <laughs> I, I said you're Sam the Sam, and it, it'll be it'll be promoted that way, so people know who you are. So <laughs> don't worry. I'm like, oh, when you said to introduce yourself, I was like, I'm Sam, and I just like, uh, yeah, it just occurred to me. Did I actually say things properly? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Yes, no, I definitely did because I've got it on my notes. Okay, good, good. good. <laughs> I've got it on my notes, um, but yes. Uh, if you want to check out Sam from Yo Samdy Sam, um, links links are in the description. Uh, is there anything else you want to um, plug or promote, Sam? Um, check out my Instagram as well. Yo, Yo Samdy Sam on Instagram as well. There we go. I'll definitely include. I'll definitely include that. Thank you very much, Sam, for coming on the podcast, and thank you to everyone who has been listening to the podcast. Uh, if you could uh, give this a review on Apple Podcasts, that'd be really, really great. Um, I only just started um, um, post- posting my content onto Apple Podcasts because I only just recently figured it out. So if you can do that, that'd be great. Well, uh, share- your podcasts available, Andy? Oh, that's a good question. No one's asked me that. Uh, it's on Spotify. It's available on Anchor and just anywhere else where you can get your podcast. You could also find this on YouTube as well. Other videos that I do on a weekly basis on my Indie Andy channel, which is also linked below, because uh, I don't just do a podcast. I, I do videos like Sam does. Um, so, yeah, if you want to check anything out, it's all in the description. You can have a look yourself. Thank you very much for joining us for this episode of the Unmasked Podcast. And until next time I, you know, talk someone will see you in the future sometime. So until then, take care and bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.